Father, I thank you first and foremost just for you. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your love. Father, for just um, your wisdom. Lord, your, your wisdom that when we, we get uh, troubled and we get, um, we get all worked up uh, and we think that all is lost, but your wisdom goes before us. And, and Lord, you guide us. You, you ordain our steps. So, Father, as we step into your word, Lord, I pray, God, that you would ordain our steps as we walk this road, Lord. As we, as we look into what it is that you're saying to your people today, Father, we pray in Jesus' mighty name that you would make this word alive to us and you would speak, Father, that it wouldn't be my words, but it'd be your words, Lord, and speak to us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So um, <laughs> I don't have the full scope of this this morning, <laughs> uh, but I do know that, that uh, as I was looking, and in, in, if you'll turn, if you want to look uh, at Acts chapter 19, uh, we're going to kind of skim through Acts 19 and 20 to kind of get a, a background uh, of, of what I feel like the Lord is saying this morning. Uh, in Acts 19, you find Paul here in Ephesus. And, uh, and so uh, it, it, Apollos is, had gone on to uh, Corinth, and, and uh, Paul took the time. He went to, to the road through the interior and arrived in Ephesus, and that's where we find uh, Paul here. And as you go through, uh, Paul is asking them, he says, uh, there in verse uh, 1, it says, While Paulus was at Corinth, and Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus, there he found some disciples, and he asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked and said then, said, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the coming after him that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There, and there were about 12 men in all there. So there wasn't a whole lot of folks there, but there was enough to get started. And um, so you have Paul that's coming into this place, and he's like, um, he's trying to find men of peace for this city. And, and, and so he's trying to find a, a, a way in. He's trying to find a, a starting place, uh, people that may have um, favor, people that may have um, connections. And so what you find here is Paul's up against a huge wall uh, because uh, you, it goes on and there's, there's things that are happening uh, in here after he... As we get into this, you're going to see that he has a whole lot of opposition. But what you find before the opposition is you find there's groundwork. There's a foundation being laid. Okay, so you see that, that Paul is finding out, you know, are, do y'all have just a baptism of repentance? Or have you been baptized with what Jesus talked about in the Holy Ghost and fire? 
Do you have, do you have something that's going to sustain you when times get tough? Or do you have something that's just, you're just going to have to come back to and continue to do? Or do you have something that's going to, that consumes you? Something that you can't get away from. Something that is, becomes your identity uh, because of the things it burns out. And uh, so, so Paul here, he lays this foundation and he begins to get some folks with him. I, I look at a guy trying to find unity. Amen. So it's like when you, when you go to find in unity, you have strength. You know, how many times have, have you ever found that when you found, you know, when you had buddies of yours, especially if, if somebody, <laughs> somebody was coming after you, you know, you could find security in a crowd, Amen. you know, and not just a crowd, but a crowd of people that were under the same influence, the same unity, the same mind. All right. So here you have Paul finding this with people that said, we hadn't even heard about this Holy Spirit, you know? And I'm sure he's thinking, oh, man, get ready. <laughs> and so, so anyway, so you have this taking place here. You have uh, Paul laying this foundation, and, uh, and he goes in, and now he's up against uh, these things like the sons of Sceva. The sons of Sceva, they, they saw an opportunity they, you know, there's always opportunities that, that will jump on the bandwagon. You know, when things are going, you know, they might have had their thing going the way it was, but now all of a sudden they see this other thing. They're like, oh, wow, this name of Jesus, it's got power. So down here in verse 14, um, or it says in 13, some Jews who went out around driving out evil spirits and tried to invoke the, the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed, they would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. So listen to that. I mean, think about it. If somebody today were to say that, you know, I mean, it's like somebody on the outside looking in. You know, in the name of Jesus, in whom this guy Paul speaks of, you know, we cast you out. Just think about how ridiculous that sounds because there's been so many times in the, in the Word where uh, things like this help explain when he says there's going to be people that will say, Lord, Lord. And he's going to say, depart from me for I never knew you. You know, and you're going, oh, man, but I cast out demons. I did this, I, you know. And I'm sitting here thinking, how many of us have ever cast out a demon? How many of us have ever raised somebody from the dead? Amen. You know, I mean, can we not even say that? So, but you have people that are on the outside looking in. They're opportunists. And I believe this is what Jesus was talking about. So you have the sons of Sceva, and it says uh, a Jewish, that he was a Jewish priest, and they were, doing, they were doing this. And one day the evil spirit, here in verse 15, one day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, and over seven guys, <laughs> and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. That's powerful. Amen. But the thing is, if they had known Jesus, and not just Paul, and not just Jesus, not just known about him, but if they'd have known him and he would have known them because of the relationship, the intimate bonding that takes place when you enter into Christ, then this would have never come up. They wouldn't have spoke like that. They would have said, in the name of Jesus. 
You know, I mean, because in Jewish tradition, that's the way, you know, even still to this day, you know, if you have a tab down at the store, uh, you would go in and you wouldn't pay for anything because it was in your father's name that you would that you would go get it. And that's uh, to this day uh, is the same way. And so uh, if we enter in through the father's name, if we enter if we enter in through the father and through like what he tells us to through Christ, uh, this is how. We conduct ourselves, Amen. and we don't conduct ourselves from an outsider's perspective. Uh, and so, so this, hap- this was the first obstacle, and then now all of a sudden you have this guy named Demetrius, and uh, he was a silversmith, and uh, he made these shrines. Uh, and so now all of a sudden Paul is getting into their business, you know, because, I mean, now he's starting to talk about these, that these gods aren't really gods. Like, you, human hands can't make a god, you know. And then, which is what Demetrius, that was, his, that was his well-being. I mean, that's how he made his money. So he's making these little trinkets and he's making these shrines and, uh, and of Artemis, which is the, uh, known as uh, Diane, Diana the goddess or whatever. Well, anyway, he was making these figurines of her well this was a huge like thing to overcome this was um this goddess that had been enshrined here in Ephesus okay and uh and so he was coming straight against that uh, because he was coming against their their financial uh backing they had basically a union because he comes before them and and uh, he gets all these guys together, and he's like, "Hey, we gotta get, we gotta come against this guy because he's getting in our pocketbook now." Um, and it says, "There is danger not only here in verse twenty-seven. It says there is not only uh, there is danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be uh, discredited, and the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world." Will be uh, will be robbed of her divine majesty. So it kind of brings back that whole Jeremiah generation about tearing down strongholds, and you know, I mean that what how God commissioned Jeremiah. Well, this is you know here Paul is, and he's going in and doing that very thing. Um, and so, um, so I find this, you know, after you have uh, coming against their. Uh, He's coming in and, and he's coming against their spirituality. He's coming against their pocketbook. You know, he's coming against their, you know, how they've always conducted their religious pattern. Um, how, you know, who they worshipped, how they worshipped. And uh, he's, he's coming in and doing all these things. And it's kind of disrupting, just like Jesus, it's disrupting the fabric of their nature. Amen. So... Uh, so anyway, so and this is in Ephesus now, uh, and so, but I wanted to lay this out so we could see as we go through this because I really feel like God's going to use this uh, for, for this church uh, and somebody here this morning. Um, and so, Eutychus, how many of y'all have ever been reading God's Word and just, I mean, just absolutely fall out? I mean, like, just completely go to sleep. You know, trying to read God's word, trying to get involved, and trying to see what the Lord's saying. And the next thing you know, you're, yeah, you're just out. You know, okay. Well, one of our brothers, <laughs> uh, Eutychus, from a long time ago, 
uh, he was sitting in the third story. Now, make sure that, you know, <laughs> you're not near a window when you're... But anyway, so Paul was going on and on, and uh, he was preaching, and hopefully none of y'all will fall out of a window or anything today. But as he was preaching, uh, Eutychus fell out. He fell asleep, and then he fell three stories to his death. Okay? And then it says, uh, so anyway, Paul, he went immediately and verse 10 of chapter 20, if you turn to chapter 20, verse 10 says, Paul went down and threw himself on the young man and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Now, I'm going to tell you all something. Now, this is something that kind of goes against the way the church has kind of evolved into. But if you look here, every one of us would have said, oh, he died. Oh, my gosh. You know, he's dead. He had to have died. He fell three stories, you know. Paul spoke like Abraham about things that didn't exist as though they did. Amen. Okay, so y'all catch that. Paul said, he, Paul went down, he threw himself on the young man and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Was he speaking to the boy or was he speaking to the people? He was speaking to the people. He said, don't be alarmed. The boy is alive. Okay, all right. So, so many times we, you know, uh, we diagnose ourselves. You know, we'll say, I've got this or I've got that. But what if we, I mean, what if instead of prophesying all the time about what we've got, what if we prophesied what we, what we didn't have or what, prophesied the things that we do have that, that other people are like, well, no, you're, obviously you have this, but no, the Lord says I'm healed by his stripes. And, um, and, so, and maybe prophesy what, what God says about us. Not that those things aren't trying to come against us, but if we were like Paul and had the faith of Paul, he would, we would fall on our brothers and sisters and say, hey, don't be alarmed. My brother or sister's not sick. My brother or sister's not going to be taken out by this. And, um, and so this was the extreme. He said, he's not dead. He's alive. And, uh, and so they went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. After talking until daylight, he left. How many times has that ever happened? That's a long time. But you know what? When you've got something to be alive about, when you've got something to rejoice about, when the Lord has just brought you out of a dead situation, it's like you want to be in his presence all the time. And uh, so Paul is a carrier of his presence. I want you all to see that. Okay? Paul is a carrier of God's presence. You know? And And he didn't have any fear. He didn't have any doubt. He didn't have any unbelief. He didn't have any of these things with him because if he did, then the, his, he couldn't carry his presence. So I want you to see this Eutychus, which wanted desperately to hear the word of God, or he wouldn't be sitting in the he wouldn't have been sitting in the window trying to listen to Paul. Okay, but even in his attempt to really want to be in God's word and be listening to what Paul had to say about God, he fell asleep and fell to his death. Okay. I want y'all to see that. So now, I want y'all to, to, because this was Paul's entrance into Ephesus, but I want y'all to turn now uh, to one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible, and that is Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Because this has some of the most powerful verses known to man, I believe. And I'll highlight them as I get to them, and you'll probably be like, oh, yeah, you stole my, you know. 
All right. How many of y'all ever get, like, jealous when other people get, get to, like, your address, you know, like your place in the Bible? Like, no, the Lord gave that to me, specifically for me. That was my, that's my verse. Uh, I do that sometimes. I just, I mean, it's like, and he was speaking to me. Um, so right here, I'll just start out here, and I'm just going to start reading because I think it's so important. I mean, I, I try not to read a whole lot, you know, when I'm speaking like that, but I just feel like this just needs to be said. It says, this is Paul speaking to the Ephesians. What we just we just saw the early stages then, but Paul is saying, "As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins." Does that sound familiar, Eutychus? You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at once at one time. Gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature. Remember that nature. Our sinful nature. And following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up. Listen to this. This is one of my favorites. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Man, that's a now gospel, folks. In order, in order. So that happened. He seated us in the heavenly realms, in Christ, in order for this to happen, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Listen, Jesus walked in the tomb, but Christ walked out. Y'all need to hear that. So, for it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. Remember the woman that touched the hem of his garment? What did he say? He didn't say, I zapped you. No, he said, be of good cheer, for your faith has healed you. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. How many of y'all have ever had to earn a gift? Praise God, there were some Christmas mornings. I was like, whoo, hallelujah, for God's grace. And my mom and dad did not find out about that. Uh, <laughs> not by works, so that no one can boast. Amen. For we are God's workmanship. Now, think about that, okay? That guy that was building trinkets over in Ephesus. For we are God's workmanship. This guy was, boy, he had them, I'm sure they were neat-looking little trinkets, you know. I'm sure they were beautiful. I'm sure they were worth money. But how much more are we created Amen. <laughs> as his workmanship? Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So he took us, because sometimes we get in a got-to situation, but he took us from that got-to situation to a get-to situation, you know? I mean, he has all these works that he's prepared for us to do, and we get to do them. We don't got to do them. We get to. So I just want you to, I mean, you got to understand, I mean, Ephesus was like on fire, like, I mean, I'm telling you, like, Paul, he probably wrote this letter for other churches, too. I mean, they, were, I mean, they were probably received the same, like, a circular. 
But I'm telling you, for these Ephesians that had been brought out of where they were to, to, to get a hold of I mean, because Paul said, I don't come with eloquent speech. I come with the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The, it was power and demonstration. I mean, there were, it was like there were, there were things that were happening. I mean, God was speaking to these people. Amen. And, uh, and so it says there in verse 11, it says, Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles, and we talked about that earlier, Gentiles by birth are called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. Okay? So there was some separation here. There was like they couldn't come together. That is done by... Uh, in the body by the hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants. I've got to take a minute. Okay, so they were, all right, so they were excluded from citizenship. I want us to think about that because something the Lord showed me here a while back is there was a guy named Obed-Edom. And he was on the outskirts, okay? He was, he was on the outskirts of Israel. He was not even an Israelite. He was basically a dog to them, and he lived on the outskirts. And then when David, remember when Uzzah got struck because he tried to touch the glory, tried to touch the ark, all right? And he got struck down. All right, David left there, and he took, Obed, he took the ark to Obed-Edom's house, a nobody. Okay, on the outskirts of Israel. He wasn't a citizen. He was not an Israelite. He was a nobody. He was out here on the outside. David brought, man, this is good. David brought the glory of the Lord. He brought the ark of the covenant, the glory of the Lord. He brought that to his house. And it blessed his whole house for like three months. Amen. It was in his house, okay? Something he didn't ask for, something he didn't deserve, something that just came to his house. <laughs> and here he is being blessed. And all of a sudden, David says, all right, now I'm going to take it. We're going to do it right. We're going to, you know, we're going to do everything like the Bible t- tells us to do. And we're going to take this in. And he said, oh, by the way, Obed, okay, this regular guy, me and you, he said, I know you're not an Israelite. And he said, I especially know that you're not a Levite. He said, but you're going to be a gatekeeper. Think about that. You're going to be a gatekeeper. You had to have pedigree. Man, this is all by the Holy Spirit. You got to have a pedigree to be able to run the race if you're a racehorse. You got to have that bloodline, okay? But what happens here? He gets translated into being a Levite. Yeah. Amen. He was not a Levite. He had no lineage of being a Levite. Mm-hmm. And here this normal, average, everyday dog, they called him, Obed-Edom, he went wherever the glory of the Lord went Amen. from that point on. Wherever that art went. So <laughs> he's speaking to the people today. So anyway, so you were excluded from citizenship in Israel being an Israelite, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. Think about that. Think about the same situation that somebody else goes through. This is their situation. that don't have God in their life. You know, I've said that many times. I'm thinking, man, 
I can't imagine having to go. I mean, my dad, you know, getting the results that he's got blood cancer. I can't imagine having to go through, through that without having that hope that I can come to the Father, and if I ask him for a fish, he won't give me a snake. You know, I can come to him and I can petition him. And it says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Amen. So it's that bloodline by the blood of Christ. I mean, it's <laughs> hallelujah. Amen. So through the blood of Christ, without the sprinkling of blood, there is no remission of sins. Without, without the sacrifice, it's, we get it tw so twisted uh, so many times. It's like, and it's like our purpose, you know, sometimes you ask, you know, well, I don't quite know what my purpose is. But our purpose is to bring glory to his name. It's to bring honor to his name. It's to bring, it's to bring him to light. And it's, and you know, nothing of us, nothing of what we do, but it's all honor and glory to him. It says, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. How many of y'all feel like we've been divided today? You want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't want to wear a mask. You want to take the shot, take the shot. You don't want to take the shot. I mean, it's like there's so many things that are trying to divide us in this day, in this age. And Christ, even then it was going on. And he's trying to bring us all back together to say, don't worry about all that. Keep your eyes on me. Okay? And it's like, so Jesus is saying, I'm the one that will bring this hostility to an end. It says, by abolishing in his flesh... How many know that when we feed this flesh, that it gets stronger and stronger and stronger? As we feed our flesh, it just becomes something that it gets out of hand Amen. and it gets to be something that we can't control anymore because we're living by the flesh. And how many of you know that unless, if we live by the flesh, we'll die by the flesh? Amen. If we live by the Spirit, we'll live by the Spirit. Amen. And so, anyway, it's, it's, uh, he goes on to say, it says, he purposed, yeah. It says, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. How many of you know that there's, I know what it, for me in my life, there was a time when I was so double-minded, you know, I didn't know which way to go. I had, I had two things in me. I had the flesh and I had the spirit, you know, waging war, you know, wanting, wanting me to submit. And I think it's still this way today because Jesus said when the Pharisees, catch this, the Pharisees were asking and said, you speak a lot about this kingdom. You know, that's what you're all about. You know, Paul was too. It was nothing but the kingdom chatter. And they're like, you speak a lot about the kingdom, but where is the kingdom? What are you talking, you know, you talk a lot about it. And he said, the kingdom does, in Luke 17, 21, it says, the kingdom doesn't come with observation. It doesn't come with look here, look there. He says, the kingdom of God is within you. I mean, he couldn't have spoke any more plain. I mean, if you've ever uh, played the high the thimble or the, uh, the pickle on the Christmas tree or whatever, the, the most obvious place to keep somebody from seeing it is in plain sight. Amen. And Jesus spoke plainly to them, and they still couldn't see it. They couldn't hear him. And, uh, and so it says, that was his purpose right there. It says his purpose was to create in himself one new man, out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. 
by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you and were, that who were far off and peace to those who were near. So how many of you know the prodigal son? There was a son that was near and there was a son that was far off. And the son that was near was ticked off when the son that was far off came back. And how many of you know today, I'm telling you, he's pouring his spirit out on all flesh. And if you're not ready, there's going to be division in your church because there's going to be those people that you thought were like, they're an outcast. They don't know nothing. But all of a sudden, they're filled with the fullness of God. They have the knowledge of God. And now they want to do something with it. And they don't know what to do. And all you're left with is pieces of trying to fight over, why can't I get that? So we have to be careful that we are, we don't become like the son that was near, the son that was always there, the son that was like, what do you mean? Now we got to kill the fatted calf? You already gave him all the money. That he, I mean, he's, just, he's blowing my inheritance now. So, so that's what he was doing. He came to the ones that were far off and the ones that were near. And he says, for through him, we both have access to the Father Amen. by one spirit. So catch that. We both, if we were, whether we have been in church our whole life or whether we just came to church last week, we have an opportunity by the Spirit, blood-bought, born-again believers, by one Spirit, we have access to Him. So I said all that to say this. Revelation chapter 2. I know he's thinking, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. He's going to Revelation. <laughs> but I think God is saying something to us today. Amen. Because I really want you to, I wanted you to see, I wanted you to really see the church at Ephesus and the things. And I mean, these people are on fire for the Lord. One of the things you got to know is Paul established. Timothy was the pastor. And John of Patmos was an elder in Ephesus. Okay, so I want you to catch this. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven Golden lampstands. Now, I'm going to back up. Now that I've said that, I'm going to back up into verse, uh, in chapter 1, verse uh, 17. It says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. I hold the keys of hell, of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later, the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So I want you all to get that as we, as we continue on. And so he says, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in the right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. In verse 2, I know your deeds, your hard work, 
in your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them to be false. You have, per- you have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Praise God. Yet, yet I hold this against you. Now, this is Jesus talking. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do, not, and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes. I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So this was the part where I really struggle with because I'm like, Lord, I... I don't know these people, and, and I know that they're, you know, I, I believe that especially with my brother Jeff, I know that, that y'all are on fire and that you, that, you, that you want to always glorify God and that you always want to do the right thing and you always want to be in His will. And, I, and I'm right there with you. But when I read His Word and when I see Jesus giving a warning, when I see Him in His Word to, to chasten us all as sons and daughters, to show us, uh, I mean, first he, he was, is giving thanks. He's like, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men. I mean, he, he's, he's lifting them up. He's like, man, I know what y'all been going through. I know that y'all have, have been staying the course. But I want you to see here this parallel back to the story of Ephesus. Think about Eutychus. Okay, think about how far he had fallen. Like God was given a physical, he always, like in the Old Testament, it's always the physical first. It's always the natural comes first. Everything that you you see in like the Old Testament, in the New Testament, it gets revealed, you know, what it is in the spirit. You know, when he was talking about land back then, he wasn't talking about land. He was talking about us. When he was talking about a temple, he wasn't really talking about a temple. He was talking about us. When he was talking about a house, he's not talking about a house. He's talking about us. I mean, it all leads back because Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren. Okay? So he's like trying to, as we are a spiritual people, he's trying to show us in the spirit what he was doing. You know, when he said, take the promised land, he wasn't talking about, like, let's all load up on a boat and go over there to where they call the promised land. He's talking about this is the promised land. And so, so anyway, I want you all to see, you know, he was showing in the natural, you know, Eutychus, he had fallen from a high place, okay? And this was in, like, everybody was charged up. They were fired up. They were wanting to hear what the Lord was saying, okay? And Eutychus fell from this height, all right? Now, what happened? He got brought back to life, all right? So there was grace in that. And what Jesus is saying, listen, okay? Terry, he came here. He established this church. He, the founder of this church, okay? Through God. 
that strengthened him. Okay? Now Jeff. Amen. Here he is, like Timothy. All right? Here in this place, continuing on. All right? And so now you have like this Ephesus moment in our church. Okay? I could be saying this to any other church this morning, I'm telling you. But I believe that God is trying to make sure that we're aware and that we are warned that to consider individually and collectively how far we might have fallen from where we first started. And, and where he wants us to go back. Because I'm telling you, even my, in my own walk, I can remember, you know, Cork can tell you, I can remember, you know, right out there at Turner Pipe, you know, at my fab station in the early years of seeking the Lord. I mean, it was like, you know, <laughs> I was totally on fire. Like I couldn't stand it, you know. And it's like one of those things where it can happen so easily that, you know, um, just think about day-old bread, you know. I mean, how many of y'all, because, I mean, I, I think there, I don't know if the guy still does, but, you know, he'd sell day-old bread up there uh, close to Walmart or whatever. But think about day-old bread. You know, how many of us have had a revelation of God, you know, I mean, like a really awesome revelation of God, and we were on fire for Jesus. And we stayed in that one place. I mean, not that the word is not still powerful and effective and, you know, sharper than the double-edged sword and, you know, rightfully dividing. But it's like something that the Lord showed us 15 years ago. He might be trying to show us, take us, you know, from glory to glory to glory, you know, and, and not have that day-old bread, something that's been years past that, you know, we should have moved on, you know. From no longer are we like a little child needing milk, but now we're moving on to T-bones and ribeyes and, you know, the steaks that he's wanting to feed us and give us, but yet we're hung up on the day-old bread. We're hung up on something that was, you know, or maybe we're living on a revelation that happened years ago of God, you know, uh, uh, maybe somebody else. You know, I know for the church in general, there's a lot of churches in general that Maybe the founding fathers, John Wesley, Charles Wesley, uh, Charles Spurgeon, uh, you know, the list goes on. Smith Wigglesworth, uh, you could just go on and on about people. Leonard uh, Ravenhill, you know, these mighty men of God, you know, had a revelation of God. Like they experienced God in their day-to-day walk. And how many of us have rode on their coattails? How many of us have drank from their wells? How many of us have, have depended on what's Billy Graham going to say next? You know, how many of us depended on what all these great men of God have said and women of God have said through the years, and then all of a sudden, through death or through whatever, their well has dried up. Amen. Amen. So whose well are we going to drink from now? And I really do believe in this day and time, we have to live on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And he is well. And so this is why this warning came to what I think was one of the most amazing churches back then. You know, when he went in, that uh, one of the, the, the theater that they had there in Ephesus, I think it was like 52,000. I may have that backwards, but it was... It was up in the thousands. I'm going to say it was in at least 20,000. It was a lot of folks that it was hold. And Paul was fixing to like storm in there. And at the last minute, they was like, no, you don't need to go in there. Like this, you just wait till it's time. 
But he was up against a lot of uh, things that were going on prior to this. But now that, now that Jesus has come on the scene, Paul, you know, and all these disciples and everybody else has spread out and got on fire, it's like it was wildfire. And, uh, and it was like, you know, burning uh, somewhat out of control. And they were doing all the right things and everything was in place and everything seemed to be great. But he said, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. So Jesus says this to us. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will not leave you as an orphan. Okay, these are all things that he's doing to comfort us and to say, this is me. This is me. This, I'm, I'm not going to be, I'm not a man that I should lie. Okay, and so he's telling us all this so that when times get tough, because I'm going to tell you all something. I don't know about y'all, but over the last year, I've gone through one of the biggest spiritual battles I've ever had in my whole life. You know, I don't know if any of y'all can identify with that, but I believe it's because if we're serious about this thing, if we're really wanting to know, Father, break my heart for what breaks yours. Amen. You know, we need to remember that we prayed that prayer. I, I mean, I prayed that prayer. And I stand behind it. But I'm telling you, times get tough, and you get to thinking it might be, it's all about me. And Jesus is saying, it's not. Amen. It's about the people that are all around you that are going through that same struggle, but yet they don't have Christ in them, the hope of glory. Which is one of my favorite verses, Colossians 1.27. The mystery's been revealed. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And if we have that hope, if we have that in us, if we are that temple that was built by no man's hands, then why would we not share it? Why would we not get back to our first love and just the simple gospel, the good news? Guess what? Christ is in me. He lives in me. Christ is the king, the priest, and the prophet. And he lives in me. And he made a way. See, they, the thing is, too, they, they, were, they had what was called the way in Ephesus, all right? And, and, and so it was, like, that was, it was like when Jesus came on the scene, he included them. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And so many times we stop at the way. We don't tell them the truth. And we don't let them know that there's life in us. We're just trying to get everybody saved and, you know, Shuffled off to, you know, somebody else's Sunday school class. But, you know, we ain't got time. We're still headed on. But he, he didn't say, go ye therefore make Christians of all nations. He said, go make disciples. Well, how can you be a, make a disciple unless you're one yourself? Amen. So our first love is Jesus. Because... If it weren't for him, we wouldn't even know what love is. And a matter of fact, scientists to this day are still trying to prove what love is. They can't figure it out. Hadn't figured it out yet. They've tried for my lifetime, and they still hadn't figured it out. They can't quite figure out how love works, what, it, you know, what its origin is, how, how it actually gets stimulated. How, you know, they just can't explain it. Because God is love. I'm telling you, if they ever do, I've always said, there's going to be a scientist somewhere in some lab, laboratory, and he's going to almost discover God, you know, at the, and then it'll be too late. Amen. You know, and it's like, 
that's God is trying to desperately show us like he was the I mean we're talking in his day the Pharisees and the Sadducees I mean these were the men of the cloth I mean these guys should have known better these guys should have known everything but the thing is is they were good people like I mean I've always looked at them like you know these evil old men like you see in Ten Commandments and everything like that but the thing is they were desperately trying to do the right thing you got to know that Okay, you got to know that these Pharisees, they were they were good people. They were trying to do the right thing. So that being brought into our day and time. Like we're trying to do the right thing. We're I mean, people, if you advance a thousand years from now, they'll look back at us and go, well, them Pharisees that were in that church down there, you know, cut hand or wherever they're, you know, they just over at Garvin, Oklahoma, or you know. Right there in Paris, Texas, they man, they they just completely didn't let Jesus have his way. Amen. You know? And and so it's easy for us to to jump on the Pharisees. Easy for me. But I have to be careful because I know that they were just normal folks Amen. trying to do the right thing. Amen. And what happened was is power, greed, uh, I mean they, they had all these things that if they could control it. And he said it in Colossians, what we started out with, you know, all the mystics and, the, you know, they, they had tried to keep all that hidden, tried to keep it hidden knowledge, but it got revealed. Amen. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. Now you no longer have to go to this priest or that priest. You don't, hey, it, you, he's right here. Amen. And we carry him with us everywhere we go. There's a great cloud of witnesses that go with us everywhere we go. Paul was trying to reveal that kingdom to him. And I'm telling you, one of the greatest stories that reveals the kingdom in the Bible is the road to Damascus. When, when, he was, when Paul was on the road to Damascus, or Saul at the time, when he was on the road to Damascus, what did Jesus tell him? He said, Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And they had never met before. And, Paul's, and Saul's just like... What do you mean? I ain't never met you. But no, he didn't. He said, Lord, you know, he, he put his head down and realized in that moment that, hey, it really is Christ in John. It really is Christ in Susan. It really is Christ in Cassandra. It really is Christ in Jeff. Jesus was showing the revealing the kingdom through Paul. Paul had experienced the kingdom like nobody else in the Bible. Because Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? You weren't killing all those other people. You were, kill, you were trying to kill me. You were persecuting me. So Paul had a unique, I mean, if you look at his, when he was preaching, it was all about the kingdom. He argued about it for two years in the uh, Tithicus or wherever, whatever it's called. He argued for two years about the kingdom with these guys, trying to show them. And it's like, you know, I catch myself now. I'm like, no, this is a now gospel. Like this is, I mean, now we've been seated in the heavenly realms and made alive in Christ, Amen. you know? And, and so it's, it's not just Christ in me, but it's me also in Christ. I mean, think about that. And so if it's me in Christ also, that means I'm a part of a bigger body. I'm a part of the body of Christ. And if I'm doing the will of the Father, and if you're doing the will of the Father, and if you're doing the will of the Father, and there's somebody over in China that's doing the will of the Father, somebody in Russia that's doing the will of the Father, if we're all doing His will, then you begin to see the omnipresence of Christ in this world, in, on this earth, 
And that's how it happens is through the revelation of Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it's something that you don't want to keep hid like we used to sing about. You know, don't keep it under a bushel. But let it out. And let him be who he is in us. And how does that happen? We die to ourselves. We don't know. We no longer feed the flesh. We no longer have anything to do with what the flesh wants. But we walk by the Spirit. And one of my favorite verses is the same Spirit, Romans uh, 8, 10, and 11. The, if the same Spirit, I'll give you just a minute to turn there and then we'll, we'll be done. But Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 10 and 11. Uh, I, I'm, yeah. Romans chapter 8, verse 10, it says, But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. Yet your, bo- but yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And this sums up everything. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. So the spirit of the living God is living in you and it's living in me. And this is, the, this is what we speak of. This is the hope that the world needs. This is when, when it says be prepared to give testimony to, testimony to the hope that's within you. You know, if you were put on trial right now if, to be a Christian, you know, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And the thing is, is there'd be a lot of people say, well, he ain't no Christian, she ain't no Christian. The thing is, it's by his grace. You know, we may not always look like what we're supposed to be looking like, but the thing is, it's by his grace. Amen. Praise God. Because, I mean, it's, it's a work. It's a sanctifying work that, he's, that he, we're still under construction and he's still moving us forward. And we don't let anybody else define us and define who we are but Christ. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for how it speaks to us. Jesus, you are the word. And Father, we worship you today, Jesus. We thank you that you came to us in our hour of need, in our time of need, Lord, that we desperately, desperately need you. That will never cease. We always need you. Lord, we thank you for how your mercy rains down on us, Lord, how your grace, it never fails. We thank you that you are faithful. You remain faithful. You are always faithful. Father, we thank you that you are not a man that you should lie. We thank you that your ways are higher than our ways. Father, we thank you that you've brought us here this morning for such a time as this. Father, we thank you that you have spoke to us, Lord, that, that these seeds have been planted firmly in our heart, Lord, that they might take root and they might sprout, Lord, that it might bring well up to eternal life, not only in us, but in others. So, Father, I just pray now that you help us see the need today, God, that you put somebody, Lord, you called it today. We're not even worried about tomorrow, but today, you called it today. So, God, we just thank you that you will put someone in our path today that we might share the grace and the mercy and the love and the peace, everything that you've given to us, Father. We pray that we would be able to share that with someone else today. In Jesus' name, amen.